thankful, Lord, that, that you've had called us. You, you, um, your heart's desire is to, to use us, that we would shine for you in a, in a world that really needs light. And God, we, uh, like Paul, consider it a privilege to serve you, uh, Lord, in any capacity. So I pray as we uh, look into your word today that you would stretch us and challenge us. And uh, Lord, just uh, pour your grace and your, your Holy Spirit in us to overflowing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So we're going to actually get to Galatians, maybe. Where, um, what I want to do, and it's kind of a weird approach to an introduction to a book, but I want to look at Paul, Paul's life. He, you know, obviously the Lord inspired him to write this letter to the Galatian church for some of the things that were happening uh, in the church. And um, if, if you notice, the worship songs really were right on point, um, driving home the fact that it's all about Jesus. We can't earn our salvation. He's the one. And, you know, as soon as we understand that and learn to surrender more and more to him, um, the better off we're going to be. So what I want to do is just look at Paul. Um, he gets, you know, from the point he gets saved and just work our way to Acts 13 and 14 where Paul is actually in the region of Galatia on his first missionary journey and to get some background as to, um, you know, what was, you know, what was the, what was the mood, what was the climate when he was there and planted these churches, and then shortly after that, writing the letter back to them, um, because the Judaizers had crept into the church, and it was, you know, their philosophy was Jesus plus, and, uh, you know, we, there's no, you know, it, there is no Jesus plus. If it's Jesus plus, it's Jesus plus Jesus plus Jesus plus Jesus, because the more of Jesus we can have, the better off we are. And so this is going to be like a flyby, right? We're going to, uh, we're not going to read every verse from chapter 9 to, to, four, to 13, but something I want to point out as we're going, chapter 9, okay? It, for, it starts out that Saul is still breathing out threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. Paul hated the church. Paul hated the church. It was his mission to destroy the church. That was his mission. Now, I really believe that, I mean, outside of the fact that God was going to call him, but I really believe that the church was praying for Paul to get saved. You know, the power of prayer. And just a little side note with that. Um, I think that in the climate that we live in today, um, there's a lot of hate out there. There's a lot of hate. My suggestion, and, and this is really something the Lord put on my heart, um, there's people out there that, that hate the church, that would like to see the church go away. And I really believe that, that God wants us to pray even more for them. Because every one of us sitting in this room tonight is here probably from somebody praying for us, people interceding for us. 
the Holy Spirit tugging on our hearts. And God changed us. God saved us. And that's what happens with Paul. So if there's people that when you flip on the TV and you see and you can't even look at the, you know, you want to switch the channel, I want to encourage you and challenge you to pray for them. And you know what? If the, just, just pray and leave the results up to the Lord. Pray for their salvation because that's the most important thing, right? None of us here want to see anybody die and drop directly into hell. I mean, if, if, you're, if that's okay with you, um, then maybe we need to talk later. But, you know, the point I'm trying to make is that we never know what God is going to do. And look at what one, what one man God used, and look at the impact that he had. And uh, as we see, as we go through this, one thing that really encourages me about Paul, he never gives up. He never gives up. You know, they tried to cancel him physically a few times, but it didn't stop him. And we'll, we'll see that as we, as we go on. But you know, here's Paul on the road to Damascus. He gets saved. Of course, God uses Ananias. So, you know, I mean, all along the way in Paul's life, God is pulling people into this process. And just think of how Ananias grew from his interaction from Paul. So, Paul gets saved. And it says in verse 20 of chapter 9, immediately he preached Christ um, in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. So Paul gets saved. He's in Damascus, and he just starts preaching the word. He starts preaching the word. We know that, um, that Paul went out into, um, out into the wilderness for a while, out into the desert. Um, and then commentators believe that, you know, he met with the Lord out there. There's a lot of things that Paul learned from him by divine revelation. But it was another thing that stuck out in my mind with Paul is, you know, he gets saved, he starts preaching, but he gets alone with the Lord. He gets alone with the Lord uh, to hear from the Lord. And that's so important, um, you know, just being challenged. Um, in the senior study last week, Pastor Jeff shared and you know, he was just stressing the importance of our devotional time. And, you know, we've heard it from the pulpit here a lot from Pastor Rob, just spending that time in the Word, setting aside that time. And, um, you know, that's what Paul did. He got away. The Lord got away with him and just really taught him. So Paul kind of drops out of the scene for a little bit. Uh, towards the end of chapter 9, um, you know, Saul goes to Paul, well, you know, he's still Saul at this point. He comes into Jerusalem, um, interacts with the folks in Jerusalem. He's uh, speaking the word, word boldly to um, the Hellenist. Um, you know, they make an attempt on his life right in the very beginning of his ministry in verse 29. It says, but when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. And then it says after that in verse 31, which is interesting, during all the persecution, it says, then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord 
and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. So Paul gets saved, gets persecuted, is faithful to preach the word, and really things start to happen. You know, like it says, the Holy Spirit comforted the people, uh, the church was multiplied. So Peter comes on the scene, so from Acts, that part of chapter 9 through Acts 10, and halfway through Acts 11, it's it's about Peter, uh, and it's huge stuff. I mean, read it uh, when you get a chance. Um, you know, the Gentiles received the Holy Spirit. Um, it's really, it's a, you know, it's, it's powerful, you know, the way the Lord used Peter. So, work your way through um, 11, towards the middle of chapter 11. And Barnabas... Paul, now keep in mind, Paul is in Tarsus, his hometown. Barnabas is back in Jerusalem. Um, the Lord is doing some awesome things out near Antioch. Barnabas is sent there by the church to investigate what's going on and report back to the church. So it's interesting, it says, um, in verse 22 of chapter 11, it says, then news of these things came to the ears of the church in, Je- in Jerusalem, and they sent out Barnabas to go as far as Antioch. Now when he came and had seen the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all with, the purpose, with purpose of heart they should continue with the Lord. For he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and of faith. Boy, it's a nice testimony, right, to have. And a great many people were added to the Lord. And then it says, Then Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So it was, for a whole year, they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. So later on in that, to close out that chapter, Paul and Barnabas are getting involved, um, you know, with some relief effort in Judea. But now Barnabas and Paul are united. Paul, you know, like Paul is back in Tarsus. Barnabas goes, he's on a mission from the church in Jerusalem. He finds out that everything is going great. The Lord is doing some awesome things there. And then the Lord puts it on his heart to go get Saul from Tarsus and bring him to Antioch. And Antioch is going to be the hub for Barnabas and Saul as they move into, this, into their first missionary journey. So chapter 12 is back with Peter. Herod kills, uh, has James, the brother of John. Um, he has him executed. He arrests Peter. Um, he saw that executing James kind of pleased the Jews, so he does, he puts Peter in custody, and you know the, the story, the angel comes, delivers Peter from the prison. And then Paul and Barnabas show up again at the end of chapter 12. And it says, And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had fulfilled their ministry. They had collected an offering, and they were delegated to bring it to Jerusalem, and they also took with them John, whose surname was Mark. 
So now they're all back in Antioch at church, in a church meeting, and this is where the first missionary journey starts out, and this is what brings Paul to um, Lystra, Derby, Iconium, and that region of Galatia. So it says in verse 13 of Ch- in Acts, Now in the church there was in Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And they ministered to the Lord and fasted. And the Holy Spirit said, Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So the Holy Spirit is, tells the church, separate Barnabas and Paul, Saul, and send them out. So they're going to end up leaving Antioch. They're going to make their way down to Cyprus. They're going to go through the island of Cyprus. They're going to get back on dry, you know, back off of Cyprus and uh, Perga. And that's where we pick up in verse 12 of Acts 13. So what I want to do is I want to kind of highlight something that I heard that really made sense to me, and, it, and hopefully it'll, it'll uh, make sense to you. It says that in verse 13, Now when Paul and his party had set sail from uh, Papos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and that's where John, John Mark was with them. He departed and went back to Jerusalem. But it's interesting, at that point in time in history, the, there was um, this form of malaria that was going through the Roman Empire. And the, when they first got to Perga, that was like almost below sea level. So with this, Paul had, had contracted this malaria, and the, the climate there was just, it was horrible. It just added to um, Paul being ill. So the best thing for them to do was to get to higher ground. So Antioch, right, is the next city that they're going to, Antioch, Posada. And, and that was like 3,000 feet above sea level. So Paul is, is going there because of this illness. And it's interesting to think that God allowed this to happen to Paul to get him where he wanted him. And Paul is going to mention that in the, in the book, of, in, in Galatians. And it's just was encouraging to me because sometimes, you know, we get sick or something happens and we think, you know, like, what's going on? You know, how could, how could the Lord be in this? And you think of the times that God has used our infirmity to be a witness. And to get us maybe where God wants us. You know, and I, I think as, you know, the, the, the older I get, the more I, you know, just want to get into the habit of trying to find the Lord and everything that's going on. 
You know, whatever is going on in your life, you know, what's going on? Lord, why this or why that? And, you know, because he's, he, he's an active part of our life all the time. You know, it's not like when we get sick, he takes a step. Oh, you're okay. You know, you're on the bench for today. You know, you can't. No, God is always wanting to use us. And, you know, it's just amazing. So, you know, here, Paul, these guys head up to Antioch, right? They go into the synagogue. They, the, as custom was, after, well, let's read it. In verse 15, it says, And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent to them, saying, Men and brethren, if you have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. Now, I don't know if, you know, the, this guy that asked Paul to speak, if he knew that he was asking Saul of Tarsus to speak or Paul the Apostle to speak. You know, so if it was maybe because he was Saul, the Pharisee, you know, who knows? I'm not quite sure. But the thing is, Paul gets up and gives them the gospel, right? He lays the gospel out for him, And this is what I love about Paul. He just gets saved. He's, he's sharing the gospel and they want to kill him, but it doesn't deter him. It doesn't distract him. You know, so today, instead of people dragging you out of Rochester and beating you, um, they just want to cancel you. If they don't like what you have to say, they just cancel you or try to. You know, and everything, when you can, you know when something is off the wall, when the only way or the only response is a response of, like, retaliation or they want, people want to in, in um, just impart fear to you. You know, if anybody should have been afraid of sharing the gospel, it should have been Paul. First time out, he's out preaching the word. They want to kill him. They got to send him back home, you know, to his hometown. And I, I just the, what God has been speaking to my heart is that, you know, we just can't let anybody silence us. You know, I'm a Christian I'm proud of that fact. I mean, you know, before I became a Christian, I was a heroin addict. Okay, let me see now. What was the better of the two choices? Serving the Lord? I mean, God separated me from that. God loved me so much, he sent his only begotten son to die for me. And for, for everyone on this planet. You know, it's inclusive. You know, I mean, people just need to accept it. But he died for everyone. And you know what? You can't let anybody take that word of life out of, out, of your, out of you, out of your character. I mean, that's what God saved us for. He saved us because he loves us, but he, he called us for a reason, to be a light. And Paul wasn't going to let an accusation or a threat silence him. You know, we see in, in chapter 14, he gets pulled out of the city and beaten and they leave him for dead and he gets back up and goes right back into the city you know that's determination that's conviction that's commitment and all I'm asking and I think that what God is imparting to me and just asking of you guys to consider is to be a bold witness don't be rude. You don't have to be rude. You don't have to be disrespectful. But you can share the truth in love and, and get the gospel, to communicate, communicate the gospel. And you know what? 
if people reject it, they reject it. It's on them. It's not on you. It's not on you. And I see this so, so vividly in Paul's life. He shares the gospel with them in verse 13. I mean, in chapter 13, he continues to, um, to share with them. And in, verse, in chapter 13, towards the end of um, you know, his message to the church, and look at the response. It says in verse 42 of chapter 13, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles begged that these words might be preached to them um, the next Sabbath. You know, I think that's, that's like a pastor's dream. That, you know, these people were, in, you know, begging Paul, come back next week. You know, come on, we want to hear more. We want to hear more. You know, that's exciting. I want to hear more. And there's a lot of people out there that would respond this way if somebody told them the good news. You know, that's the, that's the, 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 the good half of it. So it says on the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. Think about that just for a second. Right? Almost the whole city came together to hear the word of God. That is amazing. That is amazing. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. Do you think Paul ever even imagined that that would happen? No. You know what? He was just faithful to say what God put on his heart. And God did the rest. The Holy Spirit moved. Don't underestimate what God can do. You know, you might, you know, somebody might hurt your feelings. You know, they might call you a name. Whatever. But this is, you know, and this isn't like, I'm, this isn't like, um, like make-believe. What happened, what we're reading is, was as real as we are sitting here. Pinch yourself. That's how real this is. This happened. The Holy Spirit moved in a powerful way because a man was faithful. So, I mean, it just, it just gets better because we, we just see just Paul's firm stand in the word. It says, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and, con- and, and con- contra- 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 yeah. contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you rejected it and judged yourself unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles, for so the Lord has commanded us. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. It says, then now when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. God honors faithfulness. You know, God honors faithfulness. Paul was faithful to preach the word. And God blessed that and moved in a powerful way. It says that the word of, in verse 49, and the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the, na- all the region, but the Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women 
and the chief men of the city raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them from their region. What does it say in verse 51? But they shook off the dust from their feet against them and came to Iconium, and the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. So if you want an example of how to respond to hostility and verbal abuse or persecution, that's it right there. The disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. You know, they... I look at... I kind of look at that like this. They're in the thick of things. You know, they know what they're supposed to be doing. They know that what God had put on their hearts. You know, they share the gospel. They share the truth. And you know what? They just, they, they just leave it at that. The results of it, the, as far as the reaction to them, is insignificant. They're going to just share the truth and let God do the rest. And if they get, you know, if there is persecution, if there is retaliation, they're still trusting God. They're still trusting God. Verse 14, chapter 14, it's the same thing. Uh, this is a little different. Uh, you know, Paul heals um, the guy who is crippled in both his feet. Um, they want to worship Paul and Barnabas. Um, they think that, you know, they call one Zeus and one Hermes. <laughs> you know, but Paul and Barnabas wouldn't stand for that. You know, they they totally set the record straight that they weren't, um, you know, they weren't going to be um, allowing them to worship. He's, Paul said in, in verse, what verse is this? In verse 15 of chapter 14, he said, Men, why are you doing these things? We also are men with the same nature as you. And preach to you that you should turn from these useless things to the living God. You know, Paul encouraging them that, you know, that's what they're there for. They're preaching to them to turn from these useless idols that they were serving and to turn to the living God. So, of course, there's issues there. The Jews from Antioch and Iconium, where they just were, finally catch up with them. And having persuaded the multitudes, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing him to be dead. However, when the disciples gathered around him, he rose up and went into the city, and the next day they departed with Barnabas to Derbe. So Paul's life, just what a testimony. Now he leaves he he makes it he makes his way back towards the end of chapter 14 verse 21 and it says and when they had preached the gospel to that city to derby um, and made many disciples they returned back through lystra iconium and antioch strengthening the souls of the disciples exhorting them to continue in the faith and saying we must through many tribulations enter the kingdom of god so Paul is just encouraging the church, making his way back to Antioch. When they get back to Antioch, they share everything that happened within that first missionary journey uh, with the church. Um, chapter 15, some men end up 
starting to infiltrate the churches. Word gets back to Paul that the Judaizers are telling them that, um, you know, you just, you, even though you're saved, you still got to, you still got to honor all of the Jewish customs. You need to get circumcised. So they're trying to mix Jesus with the law. It's Jesus plus. So Paul and Barnabas head down to Jerusalem, where um, you guys are probably familiar with the Jerusalem Council, where they're going to settle the whole issue um, as far as what the Judaizers are teaching, as far as, um, you know, Jesus plus. And, um, you know, we know for sure that obviously um, it's not Jesus plus anything, like I said. You know, Jesus did it all, right? And all to him, we owe everything. You know, there's no doubt in our minds. So Paul comes down to the... And comes to this Jerusalem council. They settle the issue um, with um, the Gentiles. There's, uh, they come up with a certain list of things that, you know, that they need to adhere to. Um, he said, let us, um, okay, so it's to lay upon them no greater burden this is the final judgment, than those, these necessary things. So the Gentiles were to abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these things, you will do well. So that's the decision of the Jerusalem Council. And Paul and Barnabas, they end up back in Antioch. So let's, um, let's look now at Galatians, and hopefully that just gives you a little glimpse of what Paul went through, how he founded these churches. And, uh, you know, it isn't like he just strolled into town and everything was great. You know, they received him with open arms. And, no, you know, what we're going to be looking at in the book of Galatians, <clears throat> Paul, um, you know, Paul put a lot of effort into, into that. Pour, you know, I, I believe everything that Paul did, he poured his whole heart into it. You know, he didn't, he didn't you know, his whole ministry, when you finish reading through the book of Acts and you just, I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing example for the church today. So Galatians, we'll break it down a little, and I, I, I don't know how far we'll get, but... This is um, this is the the kind of the time frame um, that I how I see Galatians coming to be and you know Paul's ministry and where Galatian fits into it. I think that Galatians is the first of Paul's writings. Paul's first missionary journey ended around forty, well, from forty seven to forty nine A.D. I believe Galatians was written around 48 A.D., and I'll uh, explain that. So there's a little, there's controversy. There's two thoughts here, that either Galatians was written in A.D. 48-ish or A.D. 52-ish. Now, I believe that 
Galatians was written around 48 AD, just before the Jerusalem Council that we had read in Acts 15. Now, there's, a, there's two sides to this. I'm going to present the side that, of course, I think is, is, makes more sense. Right? And it's probably the right one, but right, that's what you guys are supposed to laugh at that point. Now, I, and here's the reason why I believe it. It's pretty simple for me. If Galatians was written after the Jerusalem Council and the issue was settled on the whole Gentile issue and, you know, the you know, circumcision, all of that, what the Judaizers were promoting, then it would have been, you know, there would have been really, Paul would have said, hey, guess what, guys? We, we already settled this. You know, the issue has been resolved. You know, at the, remember the Jerusalem Council, we decided this. But because of the silence of that, um, I really believe that Galatians was written before the issue was settled at the, at the Jerusalem Council. I mean, because, like I said, if it was, Paul would have, you know, Paul would have had this, played this card right away. It would have been a no-brainer. You know, the issue's been settled, so let's move on. But it hadn't been settled then, and that's, as we read through Acts and as we left chapter 14 and got into 15, you know, we saw that there was a need for it because the Judaizers were infiltrating the church. And that's, you know, that's just the way the enemy works. You know, you have to be very careful with what you hear. You know, you have to be a Berean. You have to, you know, you hear something, you got to get into the word, you got to, you know, verify it. And if you have a trouble, if you have trouble trying to find out the right answer, or you're a little confused, then talk to one of the pastors. You know, there's plenty of ways to, to get solid biblical information that you need. So I believe that Galatians was written first then the Jerusalem Council, and after that, Paul starts his second missionary journey. So this would, be, this would mean then that Paul, the, the letter written to the Galatian church would be um, the southern part of Galatia, the southern part of Galatia. So and if you, I read something to, to kind of make it a little clearer, you know, if it's, Galatia was big, the whole region, but there was a, a southern part of Galatia. So if it would be like this, um, if you said that you were going to go to New York, I mean, New York's a big place, but if you said you went to New York City, you would definitely know what part of New York you were in. So that kind of helped me understand it, that they were talking about the southern part of Galatia. So Okay, where did I leave off here? Okay, so Jesus in the scriptures. So Paul introduces Jesus to this flock in Galatia as the one in whom the message of grace is grounded. In Galatians 1, chapter 12 Paul says, for I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it, 
but it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's a message declaring that Jesus has freed us from the bondage of the law. And, you know, that might not, um, that might not really grip you as it might have back then when you were brought up in the Jewish culture and were surrounded by it. Just the importance of what it meant to, for the law. You know, they thought, the Jewish people thought that that was their salvation, keeping the law. So, of course, they wanted to bring that in, but it's not, it's not about the law. Legalism is no longer a master to whom we are accountable. You know, we're, we've been set free. We've been set free. The Jesus that Paul encountered on his way to Damascus has reversed the curse of sin, the law, and self. And we see this throughout Galatians. And, you know, we'll just go through some of these verses to kind of set up, um, you know, that whole point. In verse 4 of chapter 1, it says, Who gave himself, Jesus, for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Galatians 2.20 I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, we've crucified with Christ. It's no longer I that live. You know, and how true is that? How true is that? You know, how, and, and that's something, that's only a question that you could answer. You know, it's a, and they're good, it's a good question to ask yourself. It's a good question to ask yourself. You know, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Does Christ live in you? Who's calling the shots? I'm not going to sit up here and say that he's 100% calling the shots in my life. But you know what? I understand that, and I understand the importance of the decisions I make. And it makes a whole lot of difference when you know that. You know, we, and you know, it's a process, right? We're, every day, we're, we're just, we're turning over a little bit more of us to the Lord, right? A little bit more. And it's, you know, it's, unfortunately, sometimes it's a slow prog progression. But you know what? I'm so thankful for that because every day, Jesus is gaining more ground in my heart. He has my heart, but you know, you know, you guys know what I'm saying. I mean, it's 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 living, it's living out your faith. Verse thirteen of chapter three: Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. Think of the Judaizers when they heard Paul, when they read their this letters being read, and and they're listening to this. You know, I could think of the names that they. You know, they, they probably called Paul when they heard this. Because, right, the only response that people have to the truth, because they don't have a leg to stand on, is just to call you a name or put you down 
or try to stone you or try to eliminate you. That's the only recourse they have when they're dealing with the truth. So Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 5 of chapter 4, to redeem those who are under the law that we might receive the adoption as sons. You know, Paul, it's just this frontal attack on the legal, you know, the, the Judaizers, the legalists that are trying to work their way into the church. Verse 24 of chapter 5, and those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Verse 14 of chapter 6, but God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. Wow. Powerful verses, powerful verses. But that's what this church needed to hear. And that's what we need to hear. You know, call yourself a Galatian if you want. (laughs) But whatever, when you read this book, the application is to us. And we need to understand that. You know, because sometimes you can get caught up in saying, wow, you know, it's a pretty rough time there in Galatia. These guys really were slipping. Hello? You know, we need, like Paul said, and we'll just take a few more minutes. But God forbid that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. In other words, the world is negated. The influence, what they try to, to inflict on you as an individual, um, you know, we need to crucify ourselves to that. I mean, it, it, it has no effect. And, you know, I, and it, it's, it's difficult. I, you know, I am sure it's difficult to try to make sense of what's going on in the world um, if you don't bring the word of God into it. I mean, Pastor Rob talked about that in detail this morning. You know, it doesn't make sense to the world because it's, it, it, logically it doesn't make sense at all, but spiritually it makes all the sense in the world. You know, when you, you look at what's going on today, and just like Paul was, you know, the only thing, probably the only difference in the heart of man and what was going on and the evil back then is just you didn't see it on TV or nobody texted you and said, oh boy, did you see what happened here? I mean, they just didn't have the communication. But the response that Paul has in writing this letter to the Galatians is the same response that we have in the things that we face. Unfortunately, the world still wants to eliminate Jesus. They want to eliminate God, right? They, would, they, they want the church to go away. And like Rob said this morning, someday the church is going to go away, it's, right? And, and, it's, and I smile because, it, you know, because it, I long for that day. But at the same time, um, you know, I, I don't want to get too excited about it because I know there's so much to do here. You know, the, the, the ministry that we have. So, 
So talking about these reversals, you know, what makes this reversal possible from going from the curse to what we have? Um, it's nothing other than the transforming power of the cross. That's what makes us different. It's all about Jesus Christ and being willing to, to take that stand. And however, however it translates in our life. So, you know what, I don't want to even, you know, I'm not, I don't want to get into the theology of the book now because it, it, we'll be here till a little too late. But I, I want to encourage you guys to, to do something. Read the book of Galatians at least twice a week until we get together. I, I, I usually get the opportunity to share the first Sunday night. So, Read the book of Galatians twice a week, okay? And um, until next, until the first Sunday in, what would that be, May? I was kidding. But, you know, and that really works, it works for me. And, and this is something, a pastor challenged me with this a long time ago. And it's a little harder with the Old Testament because the books are a lot longer, but read, keep, stay in a book until you could, by the time you're done, at least encapsulate each chapter of the book. So if you read Galatians twice a week and think about, okay, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, chapter five, chapter six. And, you know, that'll, it'll really start to sink in. With the smaller books, it's really great because you can read it, you know, you can read like James and some of the smaller books multiple times through the week. But take your time because, um, you know, we got all the time until the Lord takes us, right? And, um, you know, getting, um, getting into the Word and just allowing that Word to soak in. And it's interesting because God is going to direct that. So as you, if you, as you pick a spot to start that, God is going to meet you there. And, you know, you're going to really be amazed at some of the things that he reveals through his word to us. So just give it a shot and see how it works out. And um, next month we'll pick up, hopefully uh, we should get into chapter one. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you, uh, Lord, for your word. And, you know, I know, um, you know, we, we, we look at, you know, Paul and we think, wow, you know, could never be like that. And, I'm so thankful, Lord, that you, you don't call us to be a Paul. Uh, you call us to be a committed believer like Paul was. And, and Lord, um, you know our frame. You know, um, you know us in, in such detail. And, um, Lord, you um, certainly wouldn't call us to do something that you haven't already prepared us for. And I pray that we would really um, take that to heart and really, Lord, understand that, that, you know, you call us, you prepare us, you you. You, you open the doors, you guide us, and um, you simply ask us to be faithful to do it, to have the courage um, to, take that, to take that step of faith. So, God, uh, I pray that as, um, as we get into the Word, um, Lord, as we spend that time uh, with you, that you would continue just to show us things about ourselves, uh, Lord, things maybe we need to alter in our lives. And Lord, um, 
maybe even leading us in a certain direction of ministry, Lord, but we'll never know unless we seek you and spend that time with you. So I pray as we do that, Lord, um, that we would see your faithfulness, your guiding, your directing, and your leading. So we praise you. We thank you for traveling mercies on the way home tonight. And Lord, we just give you the rest of our evening as well. And we thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.